Hey, everybody. Welcome in another exciting episode of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fiber. This is your host, Trey Fitzgerald, the super producer, Ryan Hale, in the house as well. Today's interview, today's guest is Rayal Salt Lake's manager of data intelligence. His name is Brady Uyoa, and Brady is the guy that takes all this fantastic information we get from season ticket holders, various ticket-buying databases, etc., puts them into his supercomputer brain and projects future uh, attendances, I think uh, customer tendencies, desires, and uh, so much more. But Brady's been uh, such a massive addition to Rail Salt Lake over the last couple years, and uh, we're excited to talk with him today about fan experience, changing taste, ticket buying patterns, uh, what people want to see in the stadium, what people want to see uh, as a season ticket holder, or as just a, a fan, a customer. So uh, we'll get into that. We'll also talk a little bit about RSL's first home loss of the year. We'll look ahead to this weekend in San Jose. Pablo Ruiz suspended. Who starts in his place? Diego Luna homecoming. There's a lot uh, to look at as RSL hopes to go make up some drop points at home on the road this weekend in San Jose. But so all of that and so much more coming up on the other side. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from One Wire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water and Adam and One Wire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club, and they care about you. All right, Ryan, here we are. Before we get to our interview today with uh, Brady Uyoa from... Uh, the Real Salt Lake Data Intelligence uh, Department, we should look back to a very, very disappointing, I would say disappointing yet dominating uh, 1-0 loss to FC Dallas. First home loss of the year. Snaps a 10-game unbeaten run at Rio Tinto Stadium. RSL now seven wins, one loss, three draws this season at home. Um it's been a little bit of a rough summer. Two wins, four losses, and two draws uh, since the May 28th win against Houston. So starting with the June 4th, I believe, uh, loss at Vancouver that was the Aaron Herrera penalty uh, in stoppage time that uh, led to a 2-1 loss. 
that's that's where the slide has kind of begun and dropping points against Dallas this week against Columbus a few weeks ago and uh, certainly the Colorado let's not forget uh, blowing a two nothing lead and ending up with a two two draw against the Rapids uh, despite winning the Rocky Mountain Cup. I don't think anybody really cared about that as much as the two points dropped. So I look at the standings right now, and you know we're in this pack of, uh, I think, six, seven teams all within five points of each other from third to ninth in the Western Conference. And I feel like we've kind of given away eight to ten points um, over these last uh, eight games, Ryan. And, I mean, even if you look back at, like, April against – Toronto that was a 2-2 draw that's a game I remember thinking we could have won that game 5-1 if we had had our finishing boots that way that day and um, you know Pablo has referred to that Toronto game and now this Dallas game is really great performances and I think if you look at the XG numbers RSL dominated shots shots on goal only having five out of 25 shots on on goal is not great. Their keeper, I thought, made a couple of really good saves for Dallas the other day. Um, it was disappointing uh, to for the home streak and the home dominance to kind of uh, come to the end uh, that way. And now you got to go to San Jose this weekend, hopefully, and make up points on the road. But uh, my humble opinion for the Dallas game, the Columbus game a few weeks ago, those are games if you can get one, especially if you can get one early, you get four and you know, it kind of, it pulls a team out of their block. They don't have 11 guys behind the ball anymore. And then it's not so hard for Savarino or Miram or Ruiz or whoever, um, to kind of find that moment of brilliance, either with combination play, a shot from distance or, or just pouncing on a, on a rebound. And, um, I don't know. Maybe there's lessons to be learned that we can apply later in the year. That's always the hope. Um, but I remember standing with Pablo on the field at the end of that game uh, before we did TV, and he's just like, that's football, man. It sucks. Some days you dominate and you can't find the back of the net. Other days, um, like look back at the Nashville game uh, at home back in – was that uh, – that was late March actually – where I thought if Nashville had had their finishing boots that day, they probably would have smashed us. But we win 2-1 despite losing Justin Gladley uh, final 30 minutes of that game. So um, you hope over the course of a year these types of things even out. But uh, in the meantime, this one stings. And, uh, you know, I had delusions of – of uh, you know going uh, you know fourteen zero and three or something very dominant at home this year, we still have the best home record. Um, not the Philadelphia is undefeated, but they have a lot more draws. Uh, LAFC has played more home games than we have, so they have more points at home. But um, hopefully, it's just a blip on the radar, and and we can come out against San Jose, get the three points there, come back against LAFC, and then we go to Seattle. So the next few weeks are going to be uh, critical for us to either uh, hopefully separate ourselves positively from that pack of uh, Western Conference teams. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, as I was uh, trying to get, I always look at these games, I, I, my reaction is usually emotional. I don't have the, I don't have the analytical mind to like totally like run all the stats and whatever. But I was thinking like that game, I never really, like this, you know, this last weekend, I never felt like that there, there was a bad, that the, the performance was bad. So I think I can agree with that. And I think a lot of people who are watching that game never felt that way. 
Um, it is definitely feel like the, um, the balance between success and disaster is very tenuous right now. It's like, it's right there. It's like one step in either direction and you're going to get there. And I think we've seen that a couple of times, you know, you talk about like taking points in new England and things like that, but then you're like the timing of this loss right now is not, it's probably worse than actual loss. If you think about it, it's like, you know, you're going to, if you're going to lose a game at home, that's probably going to happen. You may lose to Dallas. I guess uh, I did hear like, where you start you tell me stats about Dallas winning in at RSL. It's a, it's a ridiculous number. Yeah, they've they've won eight games now at Rio Tinto Stadium, which I believe is more than anybody else. It's wild. Um, obviously, they've just they're kind of a bugaboo team here. Yeah, but you always want to take those wins. I always want to take the wins at home. I always want to take the wins. You know, when you the winnable games. I always want to take games that you're players are it felt like things were happening what my biggest takeaway is i was you know I, I i take notes during the game but um nice. my my biggest takeaway was andrew brody i really liked the way mm. he was playing and i liked the things that he was doing on the field um you know i think we we spent the last couple of weeks kind of you know licking our wounds about uh our all-star snubs and whatever and justin glad's obviously the top of the la- that list and you even think about guys like um um pablo ruiz and things that should have been there but you know like, yeah um Andrew Brody, man, he's been playing. No, like- Brody is so well-liked and well-loved in that locker room. I'm hearing Justin Glad and Aaron Herrera talk about his career arc, his transformation both physically and mentally, coming from the academy to Louisville to the Monarchs to Austria, back here to RSL. It's just been uh, – it's kind of heartwarming to hear these guys talk about Brody. and The commish. You know, he just got a new uh, contract, just bought a new house, so he moved out of uh, – Justin Glad's uh, frat house, basically. We didn't, we so didn't make that that reality show when we, we had the opportunity. <laughs> so both awesome. Herrera and Brody have now uh, moved out. I think Tate's the last one standing over there. But um, they're all great guys. They love each other dearly. And I mean, you should, you can hear it um, when you if you follow the interviews when when Glad gets a chance to go on Channel Two with David James and talk about Brody, or when Herrera goes on the radio about his new contract and gets to talk about. Uh, they love him, and you know this is a guy who does whatever is asked, whether it's left side, right side, in a three-five-two, in a back four. Uh, he finds a way to get it done. He's got an incredible engine. He's got an incredible soccer brain. Um, he's adding weight. He's adding muscle. He's getting stronger. I always worry about not just him, but any of the guys that are playing like ninety minutes week in, week out. He's one of them. Justin Miram's another. Um, Certainly, uh, you know, Glad and Herrera have missed games due to injury. Um, Zach McMath, goalkeepers are different, but he's the only one to play every minute of every game this year. Um, so it's just uh, uh, it's great to see Brody's success. And I really thought he was going to end up with a goal there against Dallas on that header. I think it was late first half maybe. Uh, Aaron whipped across uh, far post. Brody's there, but uh, the Dallas keeper was was well-positioned to – to um snap that up yeah i think he's one of those guys that um it's hard to get stats to really paint the picture of what he's doing i mean i all of my observations are like you know emotional usually but i feel like i've seen him see him where he needs to be a lot of the time and i just i I like that i just like i've always been rooting for him obviously i think anybody who's been around the club for a while especially monarchs fans especially people that paid attention when he went to austria it's like this is a guy that we've been kind of watch grow up there's a lot of these guys in the field and i think that's why there is such love for this this team um quick shout out to justin glad on tv the other day yeah i think he did a great job with that too um He's that guy, another kid growing up in front of our Yeah, I mean, you know, you get the reps and <laughs> yeah, he still has 
Uh, we all have our verbal crutches, but uh, he yeah. was really good with David James, and it was kind of disappointing because we were all excited to get Glad back uh, in the three nothing win against Kansas City. We thought, hey, he's starting again. We're going to get a shutout and get a big home win and three points against Dallas. And uh, you know they get a fluky kind of turnover and a, and they get that goal and then they put eleven behind the ball and and that was something they hadn't been able to do was hang on to a lead. They'd been giving up a lot of late goals and late leads, and uh, we were unable to to crack through and. You know, Miram was creating, Chang was creating, uh, Diego Luna. I know a lot of fans wanted to see a little more of him there at the end. Hopefully this weekend in San Jose, the game uh, presents an opportunity for him to get a bigger block of minutes because I think everybody in that locker room, everybody on the coaching staff and certainly the fan base are excited to see what Diego can do as he kind of gets acclimated to the altitude, gets his feet under him, starts to understanding, uh, starts understanding the patterns of play uh, in that midfield combination play. And he may even start in San Jose. Who knows? With Pablo Ruiz out, Pablo's got uh, uh, several options for who fills Pablo's shoes. Is it Diego? Is it Scott Caldwell? Is it Nick Beasler? Is it Michael Chang? Does he change up the formation? We'll, we'll find out Saturday uh, in San Jose. So I'm going to kind of spring this on you a little bit. Sure. This is like this is the elephant in the room type of week, you know, for us. So there's a lot of things that are being talked about that can't necessarily be like, you're not going to see these are the type of things that like the club's not going to come and make big public statements about things like say we're talking about like a Choa who yeah. we were as we're recording this is the, today he's the, the the announcement of him going to to um DC United uh, we have things like just still you know, waiting for league approval so, so do you want me to, <laughs> do you want me to no we okay. can talk about it okay yeah. but there's those those things that have that have kind of spurred a lot of conversation about the team um you know, that's, that's a lot. That's if you're talking about RSL right now, that's kind of one of the things that comes up. Another thing is like that the general anxiety that comes with a transfer window, yeah. you know, like what's going to sure. happen. And those type of things are like, as someone who is been on both sides of this, like inside the club and outside the club as a fan, uh, over, you know, over invested yeah. fan and somebody who's in the club and understanding like how much, you know, you want to say things, but things that can't be said because one, this is a place, this is a workplace and these are coworkers. There's some, there's, there's a little bit of that yeah. decorum that needs to be upheld. I think, I think that we're seeing a lot of that with like what the Ochoa situation is, but then also the things that are going on with contracts and things that we're dealing with, like all these different things where the slightest, you know, false move could, you know, be a disaster, that kind of stuff. Tell me about like, where's your head been when obviously there's like things like, I mean, Anybody who knows you knows that you are, yeah. you know, you're, this is, this is not only your job, but this is also your passion. Sure. When you do see things like when stories do kind of spin out of control or when, when, when the details can't be divulged because mm -hmm. of the nature of the situation, yeah. like, how does it, how does that affect you personally? And like, what do you sure. think, like, what would be the message? Like, I mean, there's people that are like always calling for like, why aren't they being more transparent? I feel like, honestly, I feel like this is the most transparent I've ever seen a team be. Which me, which kind of hits you up against the the wall of like, well, there's a, there's some things that like sure. are always going to be that. But so yeah, again, like how does this how does this situation? I don't I don't want anybody to to feel like they have to feel sorry for you. No, or anything, but like, but like, what is what does this do to you? Or like when you're like spinning with all these different things? Sure, it's 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 a great question. It's interesting to think about because I do love this club. I love the honesty, the access, and the transparency that this club tries and has always tried to provide its fans. It was obviously very easy when Dave Checkets was the owner because Dave was running teams in New York for years. All those tabloids were always around. Um, 
Dave really understood, especially in a different era, the symbiotic nature between a team and the media. Um, it's it's hard to be open and honest and transparent when times aren't good um, because, you know, people get tense. Uh, people get paranoid. Um, and I'm talking coaches, players, fans, uh, GMs, you know, executives, everybody. Sports is all about trying to find that edge. And in a league like MLS where parity is king – and it's it's such a fine, razor thin line between winning and tying and losing, home or away, um, and it's a long season, like thirty four games over nine months, and you've got climate and you've got altitude and you've got players coming in, players going out. Um, it's all fascinating and it's interesting. I've, fortunately, I've been through this a lot. Um, I applaud our coach our GM and our players for not hiding. They don't hide after losses like Saturday night against Dallas. Um, they do not hide from their weekly radio and TV appointments uh, or their weekly zoom responsibilities. And I'm the guy in this club and I'm not the only one. I'm so I'm not saying that, but and maybe I'm just old school, Ryan, where I still value journalism and the media, but I always want our fans to be able to understand what everybody's doing. Um, as you know, whether I've been employed by the club or when I haven't, I like to engage, especially on Twitter, with our fans, and I try to just bring my perspective and my experience. I... I understand that sometimes it comes off as uh, Pollyanna, where I'm always positive. I think sometimes people feel like I'm 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 defensive or I'm preaching. I I don't want that to be the case. Obviously, certain situations are more emotionally charged than others. Um, I don't know. Obviously, the Achoa stuff has been a tough situation all year uh, because David's a guy that came up through our academy that has played a lot of games for this club at different levels, has had a great deal of success, and he's just had a tough year. And, you know, we're not a club that's going to come out and bury one of our own. Like, we've tried to help him. And contrary to what, like, Hercules Gomez said last week, the situation around David, from our standpoint, I don't think it had anything to do with his contract. It had to do with being a part of the team. And I and I'm going to leave it at that. Pablo has spoken on Zoom and has spoken on radio and will speak on TV, and will continue to uh, probably shine a light. Um, at some point, the guys in the locker room will maybe talk about David or not. Honestly, like this is where I miss like a Chris Camerani or somebody being around the team every day asking these questions. Um, transfer windows are hard. Because there's a lot of rumors. Uh, there's an unknown about how a roster vision is built over the long term. Um, Elliot was on with uh, the Spence Checkett show hosted by Andy Larson, I think on Wednesday, talking about even though it's tempting, you don't want to make a short term or a decision that addresses short term needs 
while sacrificing your long-term vision of building that roster. And sometimes financially, it's very difficult. I don't have access to those numbers. I don't usually get told by Pablo or Elliot or Kurt Schmid, you know, who the players are that we're looking at or coming in until it's very, very close to being ready to, hey, this guy's going to get on a plane. He's going to get a physical. We've got to get these documents done with the league. Like, I'm I'm in the dark, unfortunately, until the last minute. Like, I only go on, you know, what Pablo and Elliot do say. And fortunately, they're both very transparent and they're both very honest publicly. And so that's how I get a lot of my information from those guys, too. And look, every organization is different. You notice Toronto lost the Canadian championship on, uh, I think, uh, Tuesday night in Vancouver. And their coach and all their players, they didn't talk to anybody postgame. And that would have been unconscionable five years ago, ten years ago. Um, But they probably wasn't a Toronto star beat writer or any – uh, journalists traveling with them from Toronto to Vancouver. Maybe there were, but, um, you know, we've tried very hard here at Rail Salt Lake since 2005 to provide credentials and access um, to, to blogs, to digital media, to non-traditional media. And I, and I guess, you know, and this will be a bigger discussion, I think, in the offseason is – okay, are the people that are credentialed utilizing the access, right? Are they are they popping up on the Zoom? Are they asking questions? Are they coming to practice? Like those are the things that I think fans need. Um, but that's a different level of coverage and responsibility than being a angry fan on the internet, you know? And sometimes that line gets blurred. Um, I have to explain to people – here in this building, who some of the people that cover us are, because they only know them as being um, pissed off on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, right? And that's not fair to the club, but it's also not fair to that blog or that podcast or that or that person that's trying to learn how to be a journalist. So I'm I'm kind of at the crosshairs of all this stuff, and you know, uh, obviously, we hope that whether you're KSL or the Salt Lake Tribune or ESPN or uh, MajorLeagueSoccer.com or whether you're any one of the like pot, cool podcasts that have popped up or the fan blogs that have been around for years that cover and that care about RSL, you know, we want everybody to have equal access. And that goes for English language, Spanish language, whatever. We could sign a Portuguese player and – Suddenly, we have to try to figure out how to help uh, help connect those players soon. And, you know, certainly like Everton, who is no longer here, he was most comfortable speaking in Portuguese, more so than Spanish and certainly more so than English. But we didn't have – I think we have one person that covers us right now that speaks even a little bit of Portuguese. So um, those are – that's life in the football world in soccer, you know. So, um yeah, this is but this is also exciting. Like we can't wait to unveil a new player or two or three or whatever. And it's hard. Even even a guy like David Ochoa, who hasn't played in six months or played one game, he played an open cup game. It's hard to say goodbye to him. Like he was here today, said goodbye to the locker room, the coaches. It was all very happy and amicable. And 
you know, when Pablo says, hey, this, we hope this is a win-win situation both for the club and David, like that's genuine. And maybe that doesn't fit into certain narratives that people want to propagate on Twitter. And I look, I love being snarky on Twitter as much as anybody, obviously, if you look at my my history. But um, I miss the days on Twitter when you could have a conversation. It wasn't all hot takes, and, and, and there's actually a little more room to explore the nuances of an issue. And that's not just us, man. That's politics. That's pop culture. That's NBA, Twitter. That's, that's everything nowadays. And so um, clearly – we are selling out games at the stadium, and that's what matters most is that 20,000-plus are showing up to um, support the guys, and the guys are uh, seven wins, one loss, three draws, are mostly performing uh, at a pretty high level at home. Hopefully we can go get points on the road, and the goal is to reward those fans with a home playoff game or two, maybe a trophy at the end of this year. And, uh, you know, look, it's cool probably on in certain circles to mock you know ownership's commitment i think we've seen that in the stadium and with the fan experience um people feel like they haven't seen it on the roster because we haven't gone out and bought a 10 million dollar player um but i think if you look at our cap and our roster and our locker room things are pretty evenly spread you know for guys like you and i the difference between making eighty grand a year and one and a half million a year is a lot, but in MLS now, like you look at some of the moves this summer, teams like Columbus and Houston and um, Vancouver, um, different teams are throwing some big money around. But putting a ten million dollar player or ten million dollar transfer next to a, a rookie or a eighteen year old, like. That's a real cultural type issue inside an organization. So Pablo and Elliot talk a lot about no matter what a player costs, you're not going to bring a guy in if he doesn't fit into the culture. And whether you're Diego Luna or Anderson Julio or Jefferson Savarino, who are the three players we just added at the end of the last window, and the, actually Luna was in between windows, which is still a weird kind of wrinkle to the domestic transfer rules. Um, and no matter how much a guy costs, if Pablo and the coaching staff and Elliot and the technical or sorry, the front office, if they don't all believe that a guy isn't going to fit in, uh, culturally and on the field and personality wise, uh, to help this team achieve its goals, it's really, it's long-term goals, uh, which is trophies, which is home playoff games, uh, which is sustained excellence. Um, then those guys aren't going to be here. And that's that's the puzzle. So much of all of this is situational because, I mean, you look at any sport, you could be the best player at your position coming out of an academy or coming out of college. But if you end up with the wrong coach or the wrong locker room or the wrong fan base, things happen and uh, that aren't good for anybody. And you look at, like, Justin Miram, I think, has been really good here. But he did not have a good experience in Orlando. He went back to Columbus uh, for a second experience that I think was good. Uh, when when he was wearing the captain's armband for us in Atlanta a few weeks ago, uh, the outpouring of love from it, and he was only in Atlanta, I think, half a season. 
but like the fans there really loved him. So, you know, look, and he he's an older guy who's been in the league a long time and he talks about hey, if I knew at 23 what I know now, you know, my career would be different, but think about this. 3400 plus players have played at MLS in 27 years and Justin is one of those players, but he's only one of 25 to have gotten 50 goals and 50 assists in his career. So that's um what is that? That's less than 1%. Uh that's pretty amazing. And and he's very proud of that and he should be. But man, he loves this club even though he's only been here was his third year. So um hopefully he's a guy along with many many others like you talked to Demir about this community, you talked to Bobby Wood about how much his family loves it here. Um that's that's the cool stuff. That's the genuine stuff that gets lost sometimes in the toxicity of social media, gets lost in the the whirlwind of a transfer window of players going in and out. Like these are all humans. And whether it's David Ochoa or Johnny Menendez or or Everton or uh even Chris Cablan, who wasn't here very long, but man, like there were actually tears in the locker room when he was saying goodbye. Um, after the game against Kansas City a few weeks ago. So um, these guys all have breakfast and lunch together and train together and travel together every day. And there's certain times a year where the players in this locker room or the Monarchs locker room, they see each other more than they see their wives or their kids or whoever or their parents in some cases if you're a 16-year-old pro. Um, and that's that's hard and that gets lost and – this is where I wish we had uh, some of this stuff that's happening now was happening 10 years ago where we had traditional media here at the facility every day. There's a lot of days where I wish this beautiful Harriman facility was a little more centrally located so it would be easier for the people that do cover us to come to training every day. When we started back in 2005 and we were training at Rice Eccles every day, we had all four TV stations, both newspapers at least two of the three radio sports talk radio stations that existed in Salt Lake at the time, they were at every training session and that was just a different era. Yeah. Things, I mean, you think about the things that have changed and like some of those organizations that have limited their reach a little bit, which is, it's kind of sad to think about if you're like an old media guy, like uh, both of us, I think are, but, uh, yeah, that, thanks for thanks for indulging me on that question, Trey. Um, I I know it was kind of like kind of sounded a little bit like I was uh, I don't know. Whenever from this angle, and I can't the idea of like how to how do you talk about how do you get meta without sounding like <laughs> like it's a like it's a infomercial? You yeah, know? Sure. it's like how do you talk about this situation? And I and I I don't know. One of my first assignments that I had as when I was working at RSLS back in like 2018 or whatever. Um, was to do a daily podcast mm. about like the headlines of RSL. Sure. And um, I learned very quickly that the if anybody listened to it, I don't know that that, that one was it was hard to get out there. It was anyway. The, the what I ran into headfirst was that um, one I couldn't scoop the blogs because no. they always got the information before we sure. could like let it like legitimately like release it. Yeah. And also, it's like it's hard to say something about my. Key, this is specifically, yeah, and then yeah. I have to go talk to him because I mean, it's that's not not to say that, like, you know, do you have to stop being a journalist when you work inside a club and you're doing media? I don't think that that's that's reality. And I think that one of the things that, like, I'm proud of about whenever I see RSL, even from the vantage point I am now, I love seeing the information that's coming from the club and I see that it's different than it's like, you know, obviously, if if this same organization was reporting on RSL and sort of in, from inside, things would be a lot different. I think you'd see that. 
Um, it is, it is a, you know, as someone who is, you know, one of those guys you mentioned that has, you know, a questionable <laughs> uh, <laughs> credential to be, to be there. You know, I try to be someone who can, uh, um, uh, shine a light on like, here's the things that are happening. And, and, you know, this show kind of has the, that official tit- mm-hmm. title sort of, you yeah. know, it's like, I mean, cause you're here and you're, you're an employee. Um, so it is kind of hard that we're not going to sit here and like, just take swings at things like, right. we, like, I mean, obviously like the people that are involved see the things that are, that are, you know, worth talking about and have the same debates inside the club as they're having outside the club. And I guess, I don't know. I, I get frustrated when I see this cause I, I don't, I don't want to like say, Oh, everything is going good and you just should be happy about everything that's happening in RSL. But, um, no. but I do kind of like, I do when, when people, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, the point of this is, but I, I, do, I just want to say like, it is when you have to report consistently on a team that, you know, that whether or not the ball crosses the line or not, yeah. is going to change the way people emotionally react to it. It sure. is, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. So, um, yeah, again, I don't, I, I'm not asking anybody here to like yeah. feel sorry for Trey. No, <laughs> but it's, it's all perspective, right? Like it's interesting because like Saturday night, the team loses its first home game of the year and it feels like the world's crashing down around you. Or like that's a, the, the situation. And, of it, and, sure, and yeah. it like a long season. And look, the people like Pablo Mastroeni or myself or Marcelo Silva or Zach McMath or whoever, like there's a lot of people that have been involved in a lot of seasons, right? And so they have perspective. Like for, for Pablo to sit there and say, well, that's football it's a it's a very interesting perspective and answer cuz well, I'm an emotional person, right? And I've said on this show and many others many times, some days I would rather lose than have a tie because ties are so emotionally unfulfilling. Um now, there are ties that feel like losses and there are ties that feel like wins, I get it, but some days like it's just like I'd rather have a loss and learn from it and move on. I don't know, man. Like we've all been through this, or those of us that have been through it a lot. I don't want to say like I'm numb to any of it, but getting super angry and upset about the, you know, what twenty second game out of thirty four, um, it it's a lot of emotional energy, and certainly if we stumble the rest of the way or we lose more home games. And then you can look back and say, man, it was that Dallas game where we weren't able to finish uh, that really started this slide. Right. Um, But until we go to San Jose, come back against LAFC, go to Seattle, you just don't know. Like, is the Dallas game a blip on a radar is are the Minnesota and Atlanta and Vancouver uh, losses, were those indicative of something that is going to plague us the second half of the season? We don't know. That's why we love to play the games. We love to talk about them. We love to speculate. Like That's the fun part is, oh, Sergio Cordova, his XG is this, but his actual goals are this. But those final 12 games when he gets next to Savarino and he's – assimilated and whatever he's going to start finishing and he's going to end up in a flurry and we're going to peak at the right time and we're going to go on another Cinderella type run in the playoffs and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's that. I mean, you say this a lot. Everybody says it when you're in sports. You hear it almost every day. Winning fixes things. It does. And the thing is, like, what I, what I was I, I was just thinking about this. Like, so let's, you know, in a situation where, like, the last five games, what if they had all been three points? You know, does that put the same urgency on some of the things? Like, Because I, I do think that. Like, like, this is a team in a competitive league where tides are changing. Uh, um, ownership has changed. Uh, we've seen – we've started to see the investment. If you're at the stadium, you literally can see the investment on the walls of yeah. the building. Yeah. Um, there's players that are available. There's needs that need to be met. There's things that need to happen. And I think that it's not unusual. It's not – It's not. there's no There's no need for a fan to feel bad about being – um, anxious about being um, invested and about being maybe even disappointed sometimes. I think that's normal and that's that's fair. And I think that's part of the game. Like, I mean, if you're getting into to pro sports, uh, you're gonna have to deal with uh, fan opinions. And I think that we're, you know, especially if you've bought into two pro teams in Salt Lake, I think you see that pretty. You're gonna really front row yeah. to that. And yeah. I'm, I'm saying, like, I think if I were to say, like, from my perspective, yeah, I, I want to see these these uh, these these decisions being made. Um, I want to see the, the effect immediately. And obviously I think that like what we're hearing, what we're seeing, um, you know, everything that I've heard and I've, you know, a little bit, maybe a foot closer access than maybe like just a random fan. But, um, but I can tell that uh, obviously the ownership is invested. And the thing is, is like what the, you know, this is a boat turning around. It's like, you know, if the, some, some things have been put in place, but the, the, the ship is still making that, that turn there. And I think, I think as fans, I think it's not, I mean, maybe if we had, there was having the same conversation in like two years, three years, I think that then we'd be, the fever pitch would be justified for sure. But, um, but I, I feel like I've seen some things, I've heard some things. I know like whatever, whatever's going on, I think we have, as a fan, I think we can rest assured that yes, we can, we're allowed to be upset and frustrated. Sure. That's fine. But I think we can also rest assured that like, that the people that are in this building, I think this is the message that I've been trying to, to carry for such a long time is the people in this building are even more obsessed with this than you are. <laughs> well, no, it's fair. And I think Pablo said it Saturday after the game, like as angry as 20,437 people were leaving that building and all the people that were watching on TV, nobody was angrier than, you know, those 30 guys in the locker room. Like nobody felt more, yeah. more upset about disappointing the fans than those guys. Right. And everybody shows it in different ways. And, and some people wear their hearts and their anger, emotions, or whatever frustration on their sleeves. And some people are able to like flip a switch once they walk off the white lines and are like, "Hey, I get to go home to my Which wife be, or my kids or yeah. my girlfriend or whatever." Um, it, and and look, that's the thing, right? Those guys care. It, those of us on the outside, sometimes we don't think they care. Um, sometimes we do, and time will tell, right? Yeah. And it's up to. Pablo, like the other thing I was going to say about the like transfer window that's always interesting is the end of the window provides like deadline pressure to get stuff across the line. And a lot of rumors are completely baseless and false and are put out by family or agents or clubs or the players themselves uh, because they're trying to create leverage and they're trying to manipulate a situation. A lot of times players that you see us or other teams linked to it's it's a red herring or it's it's um a backup to hey if this deal doesn't come through we're going to go after this guy and so there's just there's a lot of moving pieces it changes hour by hour by hour and it's crazy like you can go to bed at midnight one night and think a deal is done or a deal is dead and then you wake up 4 hours later at 4:30 in the morning and 
it's back on or what you thought, you know, things just change at the speed of light. And, and sometimes it has to do with money. Sometimes it has to do uh, with the agent's share of the money and the player doesn't even know what's going on. Um, it's an, it's a fascinating, interesting, uh, global marketplace and not everybody plays by the same financial rules. Not everybody plays by the same, uh, rules of integrity and communication and honesty. And, um, I don't know, hopefully, uh, Hopefully, as we go into these final 12 games, we've got a roster that, that we think can get a top two, three, four um, seed in the West because I think catching LAFC is going to be hard even though we've got um, two games left with LAFC. Austin's obviously heated back up, and they've rocketed to second place. Um, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, you like Pablo, the players, Elliot, his staff – Everybody's going to be judged on a, a body of work. It's not going to be judged on, hey, this was uh, the week of July 23rd, 2022, and they lost three points at home uh, to Dallas, and uh, Cuellar didn't get done, so fire everybody and let's burn it to the ground and start over. That's just – while that may be emotionally satisfying on Twitter, that is just not you know quite how it all actually happens. Well, thanks for indulging me on that, Trey. Um, I always indulge you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think it's good. I, I, I'm someone who, uh, one of the reasons I'm invested in-, in Thank you for uh, asking about my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the reasons I'm invested in like RSL is because I've been able to like, I've been, I've been, it's been transparent. I've been able to like involve myself and then to the point where I got inside the building, you know? So it's uh, something I care about. I know there's a lot of people that do spend their hard earned money and their time and their energy and- you know, they're working full-time jobs, but they're still paying attention to every piece of media that comes out. I mean, that's an amazing thing. Like, uh, you, you got some, I mean, RSL has some great fans and some, you know, the fact that there's so much coverage of, by people that really have probably better things to do possibly than to pay attention to what a soccer team is doing. in you know, Utah, it's like, I think it's, it just speaks to the, the, um, the love and the, the passion for the sport that's here. And, to to go back and and think about that, the the chances of there not being a soccer team here and all that stuff. The reality, like, can RSL even support or can Salt Lake even support something like that? And to see like the, the passion and the love and the full stadiums and the energy and like it's just, it's an amazing thing to be part of. So, anyway, Trey, thanks for thanks for indulging me and uh, always no thanks for uh, all you do to help inform uh, the fantastic fan base. In and around Real Salt Lake, Real Monarchs, hopefully someday again, uh, Utah Royals, the Academy, uh, the affiliates in Arizona. Like, there's just so much to talk about under the RSL umbrella, and and your efforts are always appreciated, whether online in the podcast space uh, or in other areas as well, Ryan. So, um, can't wait to be back with you next week to talk about the San Jose game. Up next. Our man, Brady Uyoa, Real Salt Lake's manager of uh, data intelligence. He works closely with all the surveys you may get as a season ticket holder, whether it's via text, email, in-stadium, uh, renewal process. We get into uh, a lot of the behaviors in and around the RSL fan base, season ticket base, and how to more closely engage with the club to get what you want every day over at Rio Tinto Stadium. Thank you all so much for listening. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Brady Uyoa, up next. 
All right, Brady, we've talked about having you in here on Bleeding Clear and Cobalt multiple times. Excited to finally make it happen. Welcome. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Trey. Um, I guess it was a, a mutual agreeance that, hey, maybe I should take a step in here and, and record with you. And, you know, you kind of reach out as well. So yeah. it kind of works out. Um, obviously, you're a soccer fan. Tell us a little more about how you got to Real Salt Lake and, and your love of marrying your data, statistical, whatever, analytical background with the business of soccer and, and maybe even a little bit of uh, soccer itself? Yeah, no, good question. And I, I think, you know, initially I, I didn't realize that this was even a job, to be honest. Um, I, I went to BYU, graduated in statistics with a minor in business, kind of searching around, what do I want to do? When I grow up, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> Don't ever grow up, Brady. <laughs> it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, I kind of, you know, was in the mindset of, you know, watching Moneyball, as, as some people are, are aware of that, you know, I kind of wanted to be the Jonah Hill of Moneyball in that that character that's behind the scenes, helping make decisions, but not necessarily the person kind of in, in front. And so... Um, that was definitely where I wanted to go. And, you know, it'd kind of be a, I guess maybe that was my dream job. And so, you know, when I, you know, was at my ends me and I needed a job, I, you know, reached out to the right people, I guess, at, at RSL and was introduced to the idea of, hey, there's this business intelligence or business analytics that's kind of taking off that we need someone here for. And I was really intrigued that I had never even thought that there was data or analytics behind the the business side of the, the organization. And so, you know, my mind kind of, shifted from being you know the player centric data analytics versus you know ticketing marketing sponsorship analytics and so yeah that's kind of what what my role is now and you know it it was interesting that if you would have asked me that you know two years ago I didn't realize that this was even a, a field of of study and so ever since I've been here you know I, I've loved it and I, I love it more and more every day that you know I I can help make decisions and I guess I am kind of that that Jonah Hill and Moneyball but not necessarily to the GM Elliot but rather to you know VP of ticketing Matt Rader VP of you know marketing Tyler Gibbons VP of sponsorship Brooke Bingham helping them make better decisions based off of the data that that we have and that we can provide them and what year was your first year over there at Rio Tinto Stadium 2019 of uh, February 2019 was when I was brought on initially okay wow Oh, sorry. I guess February 2020, okay. right, right before COVID. I, I get it, the years all mixed up. So okay. February yeah, 2020, no, right the, before the, COVID. The COVID years are definitely bizarre and for me and others for, for various reasons. But uh, so you kind of work under the ticketing department's auspices. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, when but you I've, do provide a lot of intelligence for all departments across the company. That's, that's correct. When I was first brought on specifically, I was is in ticketing and, you know, the COVID times were, were, I guess, tumultuous times for, for everyone. And so I, I kind of went into a role of uh, a ticket rep, you know, okay. selling tickets, helping season ticket holders get their tickets. Um, and that's kind of where I learned the back end of the ticketing system. Shortly after that, you know, once we, we built out our ticketing department, I was able to transition into this full-time role of, of business intelligence, managing all the data and whatnot. Okay. So what, what would you say are the top, I don't know, two or three takeaways of of what you've seen from uh, the RSL fan base, the RSL uh, season ticket base under the new Blitzer Smith uh, ownership group, it's it's been pretty wild to be honest. Yeah. Um, to see kind of just how quickly things have shifted in the positive direction um, with everyone. You know, I was here when 
during 2020 when everything was kind of a mess here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing and hearing the feedback of fans during that time versus now, you know, now it's, you know, night and day, to be honest. Yeah. Like, the, the feedback that we're receiving from fans these days and, and the sales and, you know, the sellouts that are happening, it's, it's just a, a, a perfect story almost, yeah. basically, seeing how, how low we were in 2020 to where we're at now, 2022. How would you, I guess, rank where, or, or let's say, what are the factors that contribute to, let's say, our season ticket holder affinity, right? So, Obviously, uh, fan experience in the stadium is huge. Uh, team performance, I'm curious to see kind of where that ranks because winning solves a lot of problems. But even if the team's winning, which we have been, especially at home, and I maintain that the value proposition of, of this team that's won 72% of its games and averaged 2.1 points per game since moving into Rio Tinto is pretty good. But I know you're able to look at pricing and and different dynamics uh, compared to other teams in our market other teams around the league etc um what are some of the other things that, or just elaborate on those like what do what do fans care about most yeah it's kind of interesting and in, in comparing to other teams in the league you know there's teams that that don't do well and they consistently sell out so just looking at that we can say that hey maybe the team performance isn't 100% the reason why people are here um we have seen you know, going back to the 2020 comments that were made, team performance was an issue. Many people opted out of their season tickets and, you know, we weren't filling the stadium at all. And I could say that, you know, probably a good chunk of that was because of, you know, the poor team performance on the mm, field. Okay. Um, obviously, there's there's more factors that go into so it. So even though the team finished third in the West in 2019, things eroded so quickly into 20. And was that off-field stuff? Or that that came later, I guess. But mm -hmm. um, it's just fascinating to me to kind of the psychology of how it all fits together. Yeah. And going back to your original question, kind of what, what goes into it, you know, we've, we've seen season ticket holders, you know, taking a leap with us, saying this is a breath of fresh air with a new ownership group, people that are, you know, affiliated or, or know who Ryan Smith is. Once he joined the ownership group, it was kind of a, a no-brainer that they had supported him with his business in Qualtrics or with the Jazz, whatever it may be. And they decided, hey, you know, Ryan Smith is part of Real Salt Lake. We're going to join Real Salt Lake. Join the family. My impression and what I've heard from you and others is that, you know, we have added – I don't know, 2,500, 3,000 new season ticket holders this year. Obviously, a lot of them may have returned. Um, I believe in our heyday back in 2014 and 15, we were, were pushing up against 16,000 season ticket holders. Uh, there was significant debate within the club, like, you know, should we have a cap? Should we not have a cap? Um, if you don't leave enough tickets each game for groups – and individual ticket buyers, then you're effectively denying uh, our community the opportunity to sample our product. Um, you know, but the Portland Timbers have had uh, a waiting list for their season tickets, and they don't do groups. They don't do a lot of individual tickets unless you go through. I guess you get on the Timbers Army list, list or whatever. So, you know, five six years ago, that was something we were dealing with. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, who I think had almost a hundred straight sellouts at one point uh, in their existence. Um, I'm curious how they have tackled that issue. Um, obviously, we're a unique market. We're a unique community. And I think we try to serve 
uh, a lot of different masters. Obviously, any team that can have a solid season ticket base is great. But, you know, if your building is sold out on season tickets, maybe your revenue isn't as high as it could be if you're selling all individual tickets. But that requires a lot of marketing dollars. So there's just a lot of factors at play is what I'm – I know you know this, but I'm just trying to kind of uh, uh, give people kind of the lay of the land of how to balance that out. And I know you're a part of a lot of these discussions with uh, Matt Rader, our ticketing head, Tyler Gibbons, our marketing head, um, and then obviously with the Blitzer and Smith groups coming in, enhancing the stadium experience and the fan experience has been a massive, massive uh, focus and we've seen a lot of uh, aesthetic improvements, um, but I feel like we've also, uh, you know, there's other things that have gone down the the uh, gone under the radar. And you've been behind a lot of the surveying and a lot of the communication between the club and uh, ticket buyers, uh, regardless of how they buy the tickets and uh, how they attend the game. And I guess I'm I'm just very curious as to what you think some of the key insights or the key takeaways you've seen. Uh, from those different groups and all the different ways, whether it's email surveys, text line, and then good old-fashioned customer service when people pick up the phone, which is rare these days, um, to pick up the phone and, <laughs> and have a conversation. So uh, I guess what are some of the the massive surprises, maybe positives that you've seen this year? And, and what are some of the things that, that you and these other groups are, are working on for the fans for uh, 2022, 2023, 2024 and beyond. Yeah. Um, going, to, going back to kind of a comment that you made about, you know, capping season ticket holders. I, I think it's an interesting topic that we, we had representatives from the league come in, you know, a few weeks ago and we were having that same discussion with them. And, you know, you mentioned Matt Raiders has done an excellent job, um, with the ticketing department. And one thing that is unique or interesting that the league represent representatives pointed out as well as you know we're already aware of is the fact that we have such a strong youth soccer group here uysa we have a great partnership with them and that's not something that that any other you know market has in the mls you know i i believe the number is 56 maybe 57 58,000 kids in that group that that we've kind of partnered with and that's how we're able to, you know, get all these group sales and, and you know, you see the, the kids running out onto the field or, you know, holding the players' hands, walking out onto the field. You know, that's all part of, you know, the community. And so, you know, th there are plans that, hey, maybe we're going to cap season ticket holders, but, you know, that number, we're definitely not going to be as high or as, as low as other teams because, to your point, we want to, you know, continue that relationship with, with the youth soccer as well as, you know, all these other individual buyers out there that, that want to come and, and witness a, a Real Salt Lake match for the first time. Because there is general magic that happens within the stadium that one can feel um, when they're here. And so going, going back to kind of your point of, you know, how are we receiving those, those feedbacks or how are we, we seeing that? You know, we, we have a, a survey that, that I've created that we send out after every match to every email that had a ticket or scanned a ticket into the into the into the arena or into the stadium, and you know we we usually email them a day after the game, maybe the, the night of the game, um, depending on what time you know the, yeah. the match finishes, and just kind of saying, hey, you know, give us your feedback. Ownership wants to know we we're in a place that's different this year than any other year. That the feedback that people or fans provide us will be used, and so you know it's kind of my job to help facilitate and, and create that survey and. 
and you know compile all the responses. You know, every every week I try to turn it around pretty quickly to see okay, what are general responses that people are are you know either complaining about or, or complimenting us. You know, one of the one of the big things that that was brought in was the new the new mag, the new mm. metal detectors yeah. out on the east side. That it's the response rate on that has been incredible that yeah we've only had those in place two games now right two or three yeah okay and so you know you can go straight through the gate uh you don't have to take anything out of your pockets or anything and it's it's smooth sailing we've seen you know wait times there isn't there isn't wait times anymore that's huge and so you know it's facilitating those conversations that you know we ask fans to provide their feedback for us and you know those feedback surveys are the best way because it's housed in a central location that hey we can go back and and read and see okay what were the trends what happened wrong this game and so you know going back to what i what i recap you know i i kind of say these are the general trends that you know a lot of people are are mentioning this and there are you know some one-offs that hey we need to reach out to this person or we need to contact whatever department may be over that whether it be parking or food or whatever may be to make sure that this issue doesn't arise in the upcoming match how many people use that avenue to complain about Pablo's substitution pattern? <laughs> uh, there, there is a good amount. I mean, we, <laughs> we we ask generally, you know, what is your overall experience? And if, yeah. you know, the substitution pattern makes a contribution to their, their experience, <laughs> then they, they share with us. Yeah. Um, but I'd say probably a small percentage. What is the process? So you, you kind of collate all these answers and you kind of alluded to it, like you share – hey, this needs to go to operations or this needs to go to food services or John Kimball needs to know about this or whoever. Um, I think that's that's really awesome. And that's just really cool that that you're at the nexus of all of this. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of cool. And I feel, you know, it's a responsibility of mine to be able to manage and, and pass that information along. You know, I... I didn't say it at the beginning, but I am a fan of Real Salt Lake first and foremost, you know, being born here and and raised. This is my team. I want to be able to help make those decisions and help, you know, pass along whatever feedback everyone else has because, you know, I'm a fan just like everyone else. And we want to help grow this club and make it better. What are some of the other technologies that we are looking at to further our customer service uh, or consumer intelligence endeavors? It's a good question. Um, I mean, like I, like I mentioned, you know, everything is on the table. We can really go whatever direction we want. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that, that we're looking at is specifically with, you know, ticket sales, um, you know, the pricing of tickets, whether, you know, price is going to be raised higher or lower, um, depending on, you know, how many tickets have been sold, yeah. how close it is to the match. That's a technology that we haven't really had in the past that mm-hmm. we're going to start incorporating that, you know, fans need to understand and realize we're not going to discount tickets a day before the game. Right. We're not going to send out a promo three days before the game. Right. If you're going to want to buy tickets at a discounted price, you're going to have to go, you know, two, three weeks maybe in advance mm-hmm. to get the cheapest ticket. Our upcoming home game, LAFC, you know, we can already say that, you know, things are are sold out basically. Yeah. You know, ticket prices are going to keep going up with whatever's left because the inventory is so short there that, you know, we're kind of testing out that technology now that, hey, you know, what's going to happen if if ticket prices do raise? Are we still going to sell the same amount? Are we going to, you know, see a decline? But, you know, that's kind of a, a new technology that we're looking forward to is, you know, the ability to, it's called dynamic or variable uh, pricing of tickets. So 11 straight sellouts to start the season, longest streak ever uh, for RSL. Um, you know, all the intangibles uh, that we've heard 
through various avenues from fan experience is, is great. How shocked were you that we were able to sell out that Sunday night game against Kansas City? Really, really shocking, honestly, because, you know, the, the demographic in Utah is, you know, very predominantly uh, faith of, of yeah. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yeah. as well as, you know, you know, we we don't really have that. And we've seen in the previous Sunday games that, you know, maybe there's 16,000, 17,000 tickets sold. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's really surprising. We have a regroup and, you know, you kind of alluded to the, that I kind of sent out projections going into each match and kind of on a daily basis leading up to each match. and. You know, I believe the Monday before we're like we're not going to make it. Yeah, there's no way. And somehow, you know, the RSL faithful came through, and and we were able to you know sell that game out. And as we're talking about it, you know, that was an incredible feat. But to to back that up, you know, we sold out FC Dallas, which was you know three straight games in a row. Yeah, three back straight to back weeks. to back. Which yep. I I believe that's almost as good of a feat as you know selling out a Sunday match. Yeah, that's very rare. You're exactly right. We've We've rarely done that, um, and I remember back in the day, to sell out even games back-to-back weeks, we would have to heavily discount the second game or find some um, interesting promotion. Yeah, and, and to that point, you know, I, I mentioned Matt Rader. He's been great with the yep. ticketing department and really being open to any idea that, you know, the reps have to, hey, how are we selling this out? And, you know, he's been a great motivator to, to everyone involved that, you know, instilling that hope and confidence that, hey, we're doing this. You know, you get on the train or not. Like, yeah. we're, we're going to do this whether yeah. you're with us or not. Yeah. And so, you know, we're already looking forward to, you know, every match this season being sold out. And so that's kind of now our our goal and expectation that, you know, we got through the the dog days of summer, one one could say, you know, with that Sunday match and the three back-to-backs, um, that, you know, every game this, this season should be sold out. Do you expect August 6th, LAFC – not only to be sold out, which I know you just said it pretty much is, um, but to set a new maybe Rio Tinto Stadium attendance record, 21-364. Are you willing to put your two-week paycheck on that number? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trey, man, that, that's a tough question. I, you know, and I alluded to that, you know, we're, we're developing or looking at new technologies to raise prices. Yeah. And so I, I, I can't say, you know, I, I can't remember which match that was. Maybe an LA Galaxy. It was match a Zlatan as, game at the end of uh, nineteen, I think. But hey, I mean the firepower of what LAFC is bringing, plus you know what our guys are bringing yep. with you know the the good run of form that that some players and, sure. and the team has had. Yeah. Um, we we could reach that. You never know. You know, it it could be a standing room only fest, basically. And I know fans probably don't care as much about revenue numbers, but. Um, retaining kind of that price integrity, preserving season ticket holder value, and setting new kind of per game uh, revenue records is all three of those things are not easily achievable together, yet that is something that appears to have happened this year. Yeah, and, and that's not something that, that's publicly made known as, you know, the exact yeah. dollar figure, but, you know, we can say that, you know, I, I believe it's four of the top six all-time RSL revenue gates have happened this season. Mm-hmm. And this LAFC one is is already, you know, in that top six, I want to say, wow. as of right now. Yeah. But, you know, there people are, have been saying that, you know, we're giving away tickets or, you know, everything. But that's just not the case. Yeah. That, you know, people are buying these tickets. You know, we, we have a general scan rate count based on, you know, what ticket type it is, mm-hmm. whether, 
you know, it's a season ticket holder or an individual buyer or a package buyer or, you know, a soccer group. Well, and sorry to cut you off. We have had some interesting sellout situations this year, right? Like we talked about the Sunday game, but we sold out head to head with Garth Brooks, which I think we didn't know if we were going to be able to do or not. Um, we have sold out in like congested part of the schedule. Um, the no show rates, is it fair to assume that when you do have, I don't know, let's say 10% is an average no-show rate. Um, are most of those season ticket holders because, or are they some combination of season ticket holders and groups? Because logically, if you're buying a single game ticket, you're much more likely to use it. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. The, the individual tickets that are bought are the highest scanned okay. by, by far. You yeah. know, t- to your point, you know, the Sunday game, there were a lot of season tickets that didn't redeem their ticket. Yeah. And so that that affects that. And obviously, if you commit to a 20 or 18 game package, you get a per game, uh, pretty heavy per game discount compared to somebody just walking up and buying a single date or whatever off the street. What are maybe another, uh, I guess, insight or two into behavior, belief of our fan base that, that might have uh, surprised you this year that if I had told you this, uh, maybe even in the off season or, or last summer that you would have been like, no way is I would bet my house on this and uh, not happening. And it's happened. Well, I mean, to your point, the, the 11 straight sellouts, yeah. I, I almost, 12, when we no. began the season, I, I would have never, yeah, we can <laughs> yeah. say 12 already basically, yeah. but to begin that se- begin the season, I would have never thought sure. that, that we could have hit 11 yeah. and, you know, to start the season off with a bang with Seattle at home for the home opener, that that was huge. And for those that, you know, were in tune, we did run a flash sale. I believe it was four weeks prior maybe to that home opener mm-hmm. that, you know, buy a ticket to the Seattle, come to one of the next two games, yeah. Toronto or Nashville. Well, and you know you need to do that in March in Utah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the weather of that Seattle game, I think, ended up proving why. Um, I don't want to get so business heavy, but, like, talk to me about how you became a soccer fan who your clubs or players or uh, where your soccer love and inspiration comes from? Yeah, good question. So I grew up playing soccer ever since you know, I can remember. My, my father's actually from Peru. That's why, you know, you oh, have okay. the last name Ulloa. And today, actually, as we're recording, is Peru's Independence Day. Oh, nice. So kind of cool there. A um, little shout out to, to my, my Peruvians out there. Um, but yeah, grew up playing soccer. I, I want to say... Sorry about the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> We're, I'm not over that yet. All right. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Yep. Um, I would say, you know, the earliest recollection that I have of being a fan of a team was, or a player was Ronaldinho for Barcelona. Man, that guy could just move and move the ball in, in ways that, you know, no one else could. And so that's kind of where my my fandom of soccer began that I, I can recall is watching Ronaldinho play for Barcelona as well as, as Brazil. And so that, that kind of developed and, you know, I was kind of a, a Barcelona guy, you know, Messi became my new favorite growing up and yeah, I, I love the Messi Suarez Neymar combination up top. I, I want to say that's probably one of the best teams in, in the world ever. Um, but then, you know, I, I have a grandma who, who didn't really understand wh- what team I liked. And so she would always go over to Spain and come back with the Madrid jersey for me okay, or Ronaldo. And so yeah. it's kind of interesting that, you know, I I was getting these gifts from my grandma. I'm like, grandma, that's not my team. But, you know, she, she couldn't understand. And so I was like, well, I guess I like them both. I like the way that the Spanish teams play. But, you know, head to head, Barcelona is my team. Yeah. Barcelona was my team uh, 25 years ago as well. You're not that old. I am. I'm old man, dude. 
Don't remind me how old I am. Just been around forever. I'm actually an MLS snob, though. That's the fun part. Um, can you kind of describe the renewal process for next year? Yeah, interesting um, that you bring that up because we're actually kind of in the in the heat of it right now. You know, a, an email was sent out to to season ticket holders July fifteenth. If there's any season ticket holders listening to this that maybe didn't get that email, definitely reach out to your rep. I think I'm one of them. You're one of them. I don't believe I got a okay, copy of Okay, we'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. Maybe you unsubscribed from emails back in 2015 per, from the club or something. Because that, possible. That's actually a, an occurrence that we're seeing that people are you know saying, hey, I didn't get the email. And you know, it's I look back and say, oh, you unsubscribed like four years ago. Yeah. Like, why aren't you bringing that up before? Sure. And so, yeah, email went out July 15th with all the, the renewal kind of information uh, that is happening, you know, payments will begin August 15th. And some people will ask, you know, why, why so early? Like the teams, mm -hmm. we're not even in that, but it really is to give the flexibility to these, you know, financially, you know, maybe burdened families mm -hmm. that, you know, you can do a 12 month payment plan Yeah, that that's not something that you can really do anywhere else that, you know, we can begin payments in August of 2015. I mean, August, 2022, and it'll go through the 2023 season. Yeah. Just for sake of comparison, the Jazz or the Denver Broncos or whoever, they send you an invoice that basically gives you like two weeks to pay uh, a full season or a full playoff run well in advance. And that can be very financially burdensome. So having a – can you choose your payment plan still? Is it five months, 12 months, two payments, whatever it works best for you? Yeah, and uh – I don't want to say anything incorrect, but you know you can definitely reach out to your rep. But I, what I, what my knowledge is, is that payments just need to start before you know February. Okay. And so whether that's you know if you start in February, it's definitely going to be a shorter because yeah. July fifteenth would be the last day okay. of, of a payment plan. But um, yeah, definitely reach out to your rep if if you didn't see any email come through and you believe that you're a season ticket holder because there is definitely some pertinent information in there regarding pricing and you know the benefits. And, you know, that's one of the things that we've taken into account that, you know, we need to treat our season ticket members better because they've kind of stuck through through everything with yeah. us. And so Matt Rader has definitely been very aware of that and is looking for ways that we can benefit our season ticket members. And it, I, I believe it's just going to keep get, getting better and better. And you're going to want to be a season ticket member here. What would you say? So I know like some sections that are in high demand, those prices have gone up slightly for 2023. Are there similar sections that might've gone down in order to be more attractive to certain ticket buyers? Um, you know, I, I don't think so. Just okay. because of, you know, inflation. So we've either held the line or gone up mm -hmm. uh, slightly yeah. in inflation some Inflation is, okay. is crazy right now. And we actually, to my knowledge, I don't think we've raised season ticket prices in maybe five years. I don't know if that's correct, but looking at year to year revenue, that's what it seems like um, it has been. And so, you know, kind of catching up with the market that, you know, where else can you go to see a professional sport for $14 a game? Yeah. That's just not anywhere else. And so, you know, we kind of had to realign with the market. And, you know, to your point, like you said, you know, it's it's either held the same, which a lot of, you know, the seats actually have. Um, those kind of in, in the north goal or corner seatings, for the most part, have stayed the same. And, you know, the others, it it is because of high demand that, you know, there are people continually buying those seats on a season basis. And, you know, we need to find ways that we can, you know, increase revenue. It's a business here as well that, you know, we need to find ways that we can, you know, help pay our ticketing staff, help pay, you know, everyone in the organization, yep. help keep the lights on, you yep. know, meat prices have gone up like crazy over oh. the past, you know, few years. And we have to find ways so we can, you know, alleviate the, the burden of, you know, those prices. And so that's, you know, where we felt is, you know, going to help uh, the, the organization, the club in the long run. 
And I guess I'll wrap this up, and obviously we can go any direction you want, but what are some of the things I guess you would like to see um, us implement or ways in which you would like to just get uh, more uh, collaboration, information, feedback uh, from fans and everybody that comes through the doors? And I guess to your earlier point, I really have always believed that our games have such a unique heartbeat. And if if we can get somebody in the door once, however that is, they'll want to come back because uh, the bar rail drums, the vibes in the, coming from the south end and other parts of the stadium, the fan clubs, we're soon to have uh, the TIFOs uh, unveiled with the installation of that system down in the south end. Um, next year, upgrading the field, putting in new seats, all these different things that, that are in the plans. Um, I guess just what are some of the ways I know you're active on Twitter. I try to retweet you when you're uh, providing <laughs> quality, uh, sellout information and other things, but, um, what, what are some of the ways in which you, you want to continue to kind of deepen your, your knowledge and, uh, deliverables to our fans? That's a good question. Um, I, you know, one of the projects that I have for the off season is that, you know, kind of finding that fan journey. What, I guess, what some people would call a fan journey. What does it take for someone to become, you know, an individual buyer? And then from that point, you know, if someone attends two or three games in an individual buyer, what's the likelihood that, you know, maybe they're going to advance to a, a package plan the next mm-hmm. the next year? Because we, we do have mini pack plans, which are fully customizable, that are, that are great for our fans, that saves money. And then, you know, with those package plan people, what is it going to take to them to become a season ticket member? And so that's, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to is, you know, really looking at the data of, you know, X amount of fans come to X amount of games and there's a X percentage chance that this person is going to, you know, become a full season ticket member or, or package plan buyer, whatever it may be. Um, you mentioned kind of technologies. One thing that I'm looking forward to actually when I first came in was kind of having a, a long-term plan of, you know, within five years, we want to have an app. And so that's, yep. you know, at this point, you know, I'm, you know, you're still probably two or three years away from from where I see it because first I want to have all the data centralized, whether it be concession data brought in, you know, merchandise data brought in. You know, it's one thing, you know, people are saying, you know, you need to have an app. But I feel like, you know, we need to have things set up first before we can, you know, fully roll out an app, you know, like the Jazz may have where you can order food on the app. You can, you know, provide feedback or whatever it may be that, that they can do on their app. You know, that's kind of where the, one of the long-term projects that I have in, in rolling out is getting that because I think it's it's crucial and that's the way that, you know, fans and everyone is going towards is, you know, one centralized place with all my information. How many points do you believe RSL will end up with this year? We have 33 points through 22 games. That's one and a half points per game. We are in fourth place in the West. We're in the middle of a dogfight as only five points separate the third-place team, Minnesota, from the ninth-place team, which I want to say right now is Portland, maybe? So, um, obviously, RSL, seven wins, one loss, three ties at home. That's great. I think only two wins, six losses, three draws on the road. Not so great. Opportunity to get road points at San Jose this weekend, the rest of the year, the final 12 games, Brady, alternate home away, home away, home away, or sorry, away home, away home, away home. Um, obviously, we began the year with a glut of road games, got all those injuries. We had a glut of home games in June and July. Didn't really take advantage of those as well as I think we thought we would starting on you know June 
fourth or whatever we lost in Vancouver. So uh, RSL only two wins, four losses, two draws in the last eight games. So a bit of a dog days of summer, summer swoon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but there is plenty of opportunity as you get some players in during this transfer window. You get Demir Krylock, Bobby Wood back. And then the key in this league is always to peak at the right time. But generally 48 to 50 points gets you in the playoffs. I don't recall off the top of my head what the point number is to kind of have a, a home playoff game since the format change. It's probably 53 or 54, I imagine. Um, but uh, based on your knowledge, your expertise, your love of all things uh, Pablo Mastroeni and company, uh, where do you kind of see this team ending up? The 2022 season, and of course, we will hold you to this uh, when we have you when we have you back in October. Well, I mean, my predictions as of late have been spot on. So, really, maybe this can. You be, said we would drop points a- at home to Dallas. You did? Oh my god! Things you should have told me at the beginning of this podcast. I predicted a loss by 1.27 goals. Well, that's impossible. Exactly, but that's what the numbers <laughs> say. <laughs> Would you have predicted that our XG against Dallas would be 2.4 to like 0.5 and that we would lose one uh, nothing? No. Okay. Next time I have you on, we got to talk a little more XG and all that stuff because I am strangely fascinated but also disgusted by how XG is represented in varying sample sizes. But anyway, I'm awaiting your answer for our – 2022 point total regular season. Okay, well, I mean, this is a lot of pressure on the line here, yep. but, you know, prediction is prediction. I'm going to say I have my spreadsheet right up here of current yeah. form and everything, so I'm going to say 53 points. Okay, so that would actually, by two points, exceed what we've done this year because one and a half points per game, that gets us to 51 if we just basically – meet the standard that we've set through the first two thirds of the season. And you think we're going to exceed that. Yeah. I mean, and my hope is, you know, come decision day, we're in fifth or sixth place. Kind of, we have a playoff spot secured and we're fighting for that home playoff. Yeah. Home win against Portland on Sunday, October 9th. That gets us a, uh, a home playoff game. It's funny. Every time LAFC spends millions of dollars on Bale or Cellini or whoever, people say, that's cool. You're going to lose in the playoffs at RSL anyway. So, um, I, I love the counter of that. That yeah, exactly. Because that's yeah. what happened in twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah, that you know they were the number one team, highest I think goals scored in yep. a season in MLS, yep. if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the you know the, broken by New England last year. I think the Demir, you know, karate, the kid, karate that, kick, That's yeah. where it came. So I remember watching that game actually in my basement, and my mom. I was living with my parents at the time. My mom had already gone to bed, and I started yelling, and my dad came, like, "What happened?" I'm like. Dude, we just beat LAFC. Yeah, incredible moment. That was that was the first a miracle, not yep. not the Kansas City a miracle from last year. Anyway, Brady, love having you on. Can't wait to have you on again. Tell people where they can uh, find you. Yeah, on Twitter at Brady Uyoa. Uh, that's B R A D Y. Last name is spelled U L L O A, which is a little tricky. Some people think that it's you know Polynesian or something, but if you see me, I'm definitely not Polynesian. Clearly um, Peruvian. <laughs> yep, clearly. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. I, if I could just say one thing, it's, you know, believe, you know, that's kind of been the motto of, of everything that, you know, we as a club are believing in ourselves and believing in the fan base and believing in the team. And that's, you know, it is cliche to say, but that is one thing that's, you know, kept me here that 
that, you know, going through tough times is a part of life and that, you know, we really need to believe and hope that, you know, things are better. And we've seen that. We've seen, you know, the purchase of David Blitzer and Ryan Smith. We've seen the investment on the field. We've seen the investment on the stadium, you know, bringing back Jefferson Savarino, bringing back Anderson Julio and, you know, all the stadium upgrades that you, that you mentioned, TIFO, TIFO uh, banner pulley system, whatever it may be, safe standing if that comes to yep. fruition, um, new seats in the stadium. You know, the, the list goes on and on. New sound system is coming at some point. At for, some for point. those that have been asking about that, it's yeah. maybe stuck on a ship in, I don't know, the Atlantic Ocean. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, just having that belief. Can't, can't your analytics fix the supply chain issues worldwide, <laughs> Brady? I, I don't know if that I have that much pull around here. All but, right. yeah, last start, last note, just believe. You know, this this is a, an incredible time. And, you know, we need the fans on board and we need the fans to be vocal. We need them to let us know where we're amiss, where we're doing good so that we can improve those aspects of this organization. Well, obviously the fans are the inspiration uh, for everything we do. They're the lifeblood of not only every sporting club and endeavor, but especially this one. And, and I think you said it best. Thank you to everybody for sticking with us through some dark days. And uh, I think we feel good about the direction we're heading. And uh, nothing is linear, right? Everything uh, d- does kind of tend to uh, ride a roller coaster. And, um, and certainly the last couple months of results have been a bit of a roller coaster ride. But I think if you look at uh, like you said, getting Savarino and Julio in, getting some guys healthy um, as Pablo's kind of system takes hold. It should be an exciting uh, final 12 games here to the 2022 MLS season, and hopefully another glorious playoff run is in store, and, and maybe we take it a step or two uh, further than we did last year. Oh, yeah, we're excited and planning on selling out the rest of the game. So if you're wanting to come out to a game, you got to buy early. So especially this LAFC yep. game, you know, it's going to be rocking. So awesome. come out. We'll keep people abreast. I'm sure there's perks for early renewal for next year. And there's going to be a lot of ways in which, uh, you know, if, if you commit to RSL, that you will be rewarded in one way, shape, or form. So, Brady, thanks so much for your time. Um, I will direct people to your Twitter, and then you can uh, you can give people your your email in the DMs if if you want to. But uh, I love how open and accessible and analytical uh, you are, not just internally but externally to our fan base. And we appreciate your time here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. No, yeah, thanks for having me, and yeah, always open to to share what I can because, like I said, I'm a fan just like everyone else. Awesome, thanks, Brady. Wow, what a lot to consume from Brady. Can't wait to have him on again later in the year. Give us your feedback at Claret Cobalt on Twitter, at Claret Cobalt on Instagram, anchor.fm Claret and Cobalt. Thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to have your feedback. Oh, yeah, you can also email me, rsltray at gmail.com. Want to hear your uh thoughts, ideas, opinions, criticisms, etc. It's all welcome here. We love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening and being a supporter of Real Salt Lake and Bleeding Claret and Cobalt.